Welcome to Citron Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. I would now like to introduce our tax practice leader, Joe Bublé. Good day, everyone. Uh, welcome to Citron Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. My name is Joe Bublé. I'm a tax partner in the New York City office, and I'm also the firm's tax practice leader. Today, we're going to talk about some state and local tax matters, and particularly the uh, pass-through entity tax. And to that, we have Jamie Reichert. Jamie is a principal in the Philadelphia office, and Jamie is in our state local tax group. Jamie, welcome. Glad to have you here today. Thanks, Joe. Great to be with you. Okay, good. So let's just go through some things on the uh, pass-through entity tax loans to start with, uh, pass-through entity tax rules, rather. So just tell us, why are states now in the last year or so passing the pass-through entity tax rules? Sure. So, you know, one of the things that's come into play since, you know, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act at the end of 2017 was, as many of you know, the limitation on the state and local tax deduction of $10,000. As a result of that, a lot of taxpayers, particularly even business taxpayers who own pass-through entities, in particularly states with high tax jurisdictions, whether it's income tax or even property taxes, are obviously facing the limitation of the federal SALT deduction. So as a result, what some states have done, particularly Maryland, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Wisconsin, Louisiana, um, among others, is they've adopted what's called pass-through entity taxes, meaning the tax is actually imposed on the entity itself as opposed to the individuals at the state level. And thus, it becomes eligible for a full deduction at the federal level um, with no cap. And so what this really accomplishes is it's sort of a workaround around, um, around the salt cap deduction at the federal level. Um, and one of the reasons I think that we're seeing a lot of uptake and activity as a result of the, you know, towards the end of 2020 and now is that the IRS um, published guidance, particularly, I believe it was a uh, notice 202075 which essentially blessed this concept and said that the IRS will grant the SALT deductions at the federal level. Okay, thanks. Now, when thinking about these taxes and you know, ones that are enacted by the various states that you mentioned, is there something you just wanna talk about just to talk about how they're structured? Sure. So typically, you know, the usual structure with the exception of uh, Connecticut, which actually has sort of two alternative bases, is that the tax is imposed on state source income and the rules usually are applicable in terms of, you know, the, the general rules that are used on an income tax return for apportioning income as well as sourcing income. And then, like I said, the entity pays the applicable tax rate on that income source to the state and the uh, members or partners of the pass-through entity receive credits so that when they go file their individual returns in these states, they receive essentially a credit for the amount of tax that was paid on their share of income and thus essentially eliminating their own personal income tax payment obligations. So tax at the entity level, flow through of a credit to the partners or members, and they take that credit on their own individual returns. Okay, good. So now, what are some of the things that we are advising clients, some of the challenges or implications that you have to think about before somebody would elect uh, this uh, pass-through entity tax treatment? 
Sure. So, you know, some of the things and considerations that have come up, um, some are general and then some are sort of specific depending on the states at issue. So, you know, some specific examples are, for instance, New Jersey, an entity that makes the pass through any election to pay the tax um, still has to pay non-resident withholding. And so for non-resident members, you know, on their share of income, there's essentially um, you know, an outlay of cash that, you know, is only is recouped when the partner slash member is going to file their return. Um, another issue that comes up in New Jersey is the application of the tax in the context of tiered partnerships and tiered entities. So in most states, um, they have what's called a subtraction to basically eliminate income that might be taxed at a lower tier so that it's not taxed along each chain of the tiered structure whereas New Jersey does not provide such a mechanism. And so that has been a challenge. Um, another sort of specific state example would be Maryland. Um, interestingly, Maryland, when they first passed their legislation, um, essentially said that the elective tax that's imposed on the entity is only on residents' share of income. Obviously that caused a problem because if the pass-through entity is paying the tax and everyone is getting the benefit of the SALT deduction at the federal level via reducing you know, net income that's passed through to them, um, there needs to be an allocation there or there needed to be an allocation of the federal benefit to account for who's actually you know, having their income be subject to the Maryland pass-through entity tax. However, in recent legislation, I believe that was signed about a week ago, uh, Maryland has cleaned up that issue and now um, it's fixed for both residents and non-residents, so it's a non-issue. I would say finally, the major issue I would say that we're seeing across the board is whether or not states that don't have pass-through entity taxes are going to grant a resident credit for tax paid. So typically in the personal income tax world in the state and local world, for those that aren't familiar, right, a resident pays tax on all their income and then they may have to owe tax to other states based on if they have income sourced to those states. And the way that the tax structure works to prevent you know, double taxing of the same income is that a resident receives a credit for tax paid to other states. Um, there are jurisdictions, particularly Pennsylvania and New York um, have come out explicitly um, sort of indicating that they may not be granting a resident credit in the context of pass-through entity taxes paid on behalf of residents um, in Pennsylvania's case, strangely, they have indicated based on the way their statute is written that they will grant it for S-corporation tax payments, but not if the pass-through entity tax is paid by a partnership. New York statute is written in a way which kind of leads you actually to the opposite conclusion of Pennsylvania. Um, so that's one of the issues and sort of tax costs um, that potentially have to be weighed in terms of a risk of making the election to pay the pass-through entity tax is that you know, there is this potential issue of the resident credits, uh, the resident state not granting a resident credit. And some of the reasons why they do that is because they basically take the position that just like for federal purposes, if the tax was paid by an entity, then the tax was not paid by the individual and thus shouldn't be eligible for a resident credit because it wasn't paid by the taxpayer. Um, so that's really, I would say, the number one complicating issue we're seeing with advising clients regarding the pass-through entity tax structure. Great, thanks. So like anything in the state world, uh, you know, it's, you got to consider it state by state and all the other yeah. states 
locked on to that. And so, yes, and also, you know, the fascinating thing, not to interrupt, but the fascinating thing also, Joe, is that, you know, does this become, you know, potentially moot going forward if there's a change at the federal level? Or what happens to some of these other states, which like New York, for instance, which indicated they may not be granting the resident credit, but what happens if they start imposing their own pass-through entity tax, which um, they have discussed recently in budget talks um, to deal with the SALT implications as well as, you know, just from a revenue raising perspective. Um, so I think that this is sort of a, as everything with SALT, a constantly evolving area. Sure. And you would hope if New York State put such a law in place that they would allow credit and, and the other states would do the same. Yes, typically what we see is the way that these statutes are written is when they pass a pass-through entity tax, they provide in their statutes sort of reciprocal language for granting a credit for similar taxes imposed by other states with similar pass-through entity taxes. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. Uh, so, Jamie, why we have you here, let's just talk to our favorite topic or one of our favorite topics, and that's the PPP loans and the forgiveness and deductibility and not of expenses. We spent a lot of time on that, on these podcasts, talking about it from a federal perspective. So let's talk about the states. How are the states uh, treating that loan forgiveness and the ability to claim the deduction with the monies that were used from the loan? Yeah, so again, sort of a fascinating area of sort of the interaction of the way state taxes work and federal taxes. And so, you know, the way what we're seeing across the board is, you know, there are some states that have proactively issued guidance, right, saying what they're going to do. So, you know, jumps off the bat like New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, where they've indicated, you know, that they're not going to tax the loan forgiveness and they will permit, you know, expense deductions. California, another example where they have passed legislation that the forgiveness would not be taxable, but that the um, deductions would potentially be denied. There's talk that that deduction might go, that they might grant a deduction in recent legislation up to $150,000. So I would say the approach that we're taking, you know, in terms of guidance and compliance and giving advice is, you know, one, did the state, you know, issue definitive guidance on the topic? If so, we have, you know, we have a clear answer. If the state has an issue with definitive guidance, then the question comes in as to looking to the state's what's called conformity statutes. Um, what version of the internal revenue code does the state adopt? Is it a rolling conformity where it adopts the current version? Is it frozen in time or a previous version? And some states have proactively moved their conformity dates to accommodate the CARES Act as well as subsequent legislation in December. Um, that fixed the PPP deduction issue. Um, and so, you know, that's sort of been the second track. And then the third sort of more complicated track is um, technically, and there's some sort of doubt out there because there is some ambiguity as to whether or not some of the changes that were provided in federal law as interpreting the tax code, but not actually amending the tax code are going to be incorporated into the state statutes. So that's why it's important. Part of what we do is we look at the specific laws and determine, is it tied to the internal revenue code or is it tied to all laws of the federal government that interpret or amend the internal revenue code? 
because even that distinctive language can make the difference for the determination. So again, another area where it's just can be totally all over the place. And I think what, you know, the complexity that states are facing is, you know, they obviously want to sort of balance being business friendly during a pandemic, but also, you know, seeing an opportunity for a potential a little bit of a revenue grab. And if you have the, you know, the argument from the state side is, you know, you got this, you got forgiveness at the federal level that wasn't taxed and you got the deductions as well. So we're going to try to grab our piece by either taxing the forgiveness or denying all of or a portion of the deductions. Yeah, that's great, Jim. Thanks. So uh, once again, keeps you and everyone in the small group busy and uh, depends on the state and it's ever changing. So guidance are coming out all the time. So uh, the people listening out there, uh, stay tuned for any updates that we'll be issuing in podcasts or writing, because this is one of the areas that is changing all the time. And I see uh, emails coming out weekly, how states are taking different positions. So Jane, we want to thank you again for coming in. We appreciate it, uh, your uh, guidance and uh, interesting uh, observations. Um, to everyone out there, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please keep in mind out for our, uh, our other podcasts on other topics in the tax area. And hope everyone stays safe and carries on. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, Joe.